0: in my head all all week long, and the Holy Spirit's just been impressing different things on me, and if I were to write them all down and say them tonight, we'd be here till Sunday, so we won't do that, but just tonight even, the best illustration came forth as we were sitting down to dinner, you know, we've got little Madeline in the background cooing, and she finally can hold her sippy cup and drink out of it herself, so she's holding on to that and drinking her out of her sippy cup, and I'm cutting up a big, fat steak, juicy, just, just rolling over. I mean, it's good stuff. And uh, I'm feeding Isabella because she's not big enough to cut it herself. Yeah, see ya. She's not big enough to, to cut it and feed herself that. Um, but Madeline, that option doesn't even exist. So I'm looking at these different phases of growth in my family. And, you know, we've got little Madeline who's still on mama's milk and, and can't do anything for herself except hold her sippy cup. And then there's Isabella who's now finally able to eat that, which I spoke of earlier that everyone's still, but she's able to eat that and I'm feeding it to her, but there's still, she's still not quite to the place where she can cook it and cut it and do it all herself, but she's eating meat. All of this is going to come together here in just a little while, but that illustration was so beautiful. If you can only receive what the Holy Spirit was showing me through this just this evening before we came here. It was amazing, and I hope you get some of that out of the teaching tonight. Um, Pastor was talking last week about how decisions are made. He was thankful to bring this out, and I just left it right where he had it last week to remind those of you who were here last week, and if you weren't here, I'm not going to go through the whole teaching, however body, soul, and spirit is what we're comprised of. We're uh, triune beings kind of as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are. We're designed and built in His image and likeness, but there's different influences and different ways that we process information and and derive our decision-making skills from. And Either it's coming outward from our senses through our body and and that, or it's coming from our spirit and out. But either way, it's affecting our soul, which is where our mind, will, and emotions are made up, and um, we tend to Make our decisions based on either outward influences or that which we have placed deep within us through the Word and, and God's Holy Spirit, and they form out that way. So, I pondered a few ideas as to how we can illustrate and, and why, in my opinion, um, we make dumb decisions as smart people. And um, I know I'm preaching to the choir here as it is Wednesday night, and most of the diehard Christians are here, so I'm, I just want you to take this. Um, as a a reminder for some of you, but I believe that there's a word that's going to come out of this for someone in this room tonight that is going to receive a word that might either clarify um, or just catapult you into newer and better things of God. Amen. Um, This is one of many ways that we can avoid lots of dumb decisions. Now, we do agree that our walk as Christians is a never-ending process. We're constantly moving. And the Bible says we move from glory to glory. And it's a a constant process. Well, that being said, we've uh, we've got to continue to mature within that process. There's a maturing that takes place. And that's what I want to pinpoint tonight is if we allow ourselves to become mature in Christ, the more mature we become, the less dumb decisions we make. I have seen that happen in my own life, and I've got one particular illustration that I want to share um, that really, it never really resonated in my spirit that I was actually growing as a Christian until um, recently. I've always viewed myself as a grasshopper, unfortunately, um, and I I know the doctrine behind that. But it's just hard because we're mere humans, you know. And for us to even consider the fact that we are moving into the likeness of Jesus Christ, is it's just even hard to fathom that. And you feel like you're being arrogant or pompous to even admit that that's the case. However, God, he wants that from us. That's what he wants in our everyday walk and our relationships and everything else. So it's okay. Well, Pastor has given an example about the kid who received the keys to the car too early. You remember that, that he got the keys too soon, and how destructive that can be if I threw, you know, I, we, I deal with youth on a regular basis, and there's some that are over the age of 16 and 17 that I still wouldn't want to throw keys to. However, but we know that if, if, you, if, you're, not, if you're not ready, you shouldn't, there's certain responsibilities we shouldn't be given, and let me elaborate on that. I know that it's God's will to fulfill all of his promises, as we do endeavor ...to be more like his son, Jesus. Romans 8.29 says that... ...for those whom God foreknew... ...he also predestined to be conformed... ...to the likeness of his son. And that's us. He wants us to develop Christ's character. Now... ...this is a process... ...that I believe... ...the conforming... ...process is very much... ...the maturing process... in, ...in faith, in Christ... You know, we're called to be conformed into his image and likeness. And that comes through maturing. And it's it's a constant thing. And as I was sitting there this evening, getting prepared to come in here tonight, I was watching Madeline, who cannot receive the steak, whether or not I get even if I gave it to her, she just couldn't it would it could kill her. And she's being nurtured by her mother and, and the things that she can take, you know, the milk and and, and Jesus himself talks about this. But then there's the meat that needs to be fed to my child. Now, I have the responsibility as her shepherd to feed her meat, to to sustain her in that way. But she's still at the age where she can eat meat, yes, but I need to give it to her. I need to cut it up into bite-sized pieces, and I need to feed it to her. And as she's taking it, it is nourishing her on a level greater than that of or equal to, I guess you can say, as that of what Madeline is experiencing. However, there's just a different level of maturity that's taking place between Madeline and Isabella. But then there's still the responsibility I have, as her father and shepherd, to nourish her. And not just physically. This physical illustration did wonders for me, but spiritually, it's so true in the church today. And one of the signs of maturity, in my opinion, is that we are able to not only come to church and receive, because we do, we should. We should come on a regular basis and receive the word and allow God to work in our hearts and lives. But there's also a point in our lives as maturing Christians that we must administer as well. And it took me a little while to get to the place where I I wasn't selfish. I came to church on a regular basis, and in the beginning it was like drinking out of a fire hose especially with pastor. His doctrine was so, I mean, it was meat and potatoes. Now, I grew up in a home where um, the precepts and and understandings that pastor teaches were taught to me as well, so it wasn't totally foreign to me. However, I never chose to to consume it on my own. Well, it didn't take but a couple months before I committed to the encounter process, which we offer here at our church, and was going through that, and, and that was like sitting down to a buffet, in regards to taking on the fruits of the Spirit and understanding all the, all the teachings and all that's going to take place in our lives. But there came a time when it was almost, it became redundant to me. And I said, okay, I've been there. I've done that. What's next? You know, give me, some more, give me something I don't already know. And I can see where a lot of Christians end up getting to the place where they're done. It seems like, oh, you're done tending to me here in this place? You're not, you don't have anything new to offer me in this place? Well, then I guess I'll move on to somewhere else that I can receive something. Right or wrong, it's, it's unfortunate because you're, poised, you're, you're set in a place where now you've received, you can give. And people come in, the doors behind you that don't know what you know now, that don't know what you've experienced, that don't know all that you can offer. And all of us have a testimony to share. All of us have something to give the kingdom and we are all called to witness the gospel. And each of us has our own mission field. And every single person that walks in that door is going to fall under the category of one of us. Jerry might not be able to help everybody that comes in. Scott might have someone come in that, that just relates to him better. And, and if Scott was there and made available and, and received from the Spirit, that this is someone I can take on as a, whatever you want to call it, a project or you know, a, a divine appointment from God, then so be it. He's equipped now. He's been in the house of God and has been sown into. He's got the word under his belt. Though he might not know it all, he has enough to get them to a place. And that's how God uses us. It's, he wants motion within the church. He wants fluidity and things to be moving. We're not here to be consumers and consumers alone. However, this is the place that all of us should come and receive. But it's also a place where we can come and give. And I just, I thank God that even Legacy Church is a place that is, specializing in that if you will that it, he's the lord is equipping soldiers in this house to do the gospel not just hear the gospel and that's just a great thing i went on a lot longer on that than i had anticipated but i think that's really important well as we're conforming and maturing in christ the big question is how do we become mature in christ that's what i want to talk about tonight is how do you become mature there's so many so many aspects and facets to this faith that we walk But how do I, as an individual, get to the place where I can consider myself no longer a child or a baby? We should always be children in Christ. But when when can I get off the milk and start eating meat? We've got to get to that place. So I put together a few things that I wanted to talk about in regards to that. But uh, we've got to read, believe, and obey. I just tried to sum it up in... Three easy words, and read, believe, and obey. OK, we're done. No, I'm not really done. But the application of the word, we've got to become doers of the word, not just hearers and deceive ourselves, as James says in um, chapter one twenty two but um, we can't call ourselves a Christian, ourselves Christians, and then not practice our faith, Christian precepts, the Word of God. You just can't do it. Romans 6.13. Now, this is huge, okay? This, is, this was my turning point, and I just want to share this. This is, this is huge in my heart. Romans 6.13 says, to yield or give yourselves completely to God. I know it sounds like, duh, you know, we've, we've heard that. But if we can yield and completely give ourselves to the Lord every single day, submit your life to him, lay your life at the throne in the morning, that is the ultimate sign of maturity in my eyes there 's no, there's no self fulfilling motivation other than to do his will and The reason is that he wants to use us as weapons again because you all agree that we're, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. We know that there is a spiritual war taking place, and we are the weapons in which Heaven is going to defeat the enemy on the earth. Well, Jeremiah fifty one twenty says, "Thou art my battle axe and weapons of the war. For with thee I will break in pieces the nations, and with thee I will destroy kingdoms." That's us. We're the we're the, the axe. I've been delivered um, from this, but I, I there was a Bob Marley song that. Um, He said, Bob Marley's singing, he says, you are a big tree and I am a small axe, but I'm here to chop you down. And he was speaking about uh, Christian principles even, or I don't know, we won't go there. But it was spiritual conversation he was having, but talking about situations, moving mountains. And even though there's this big circumstance before you, and we're just this small axe, What a powerful thing to be in the midst of a forest of problems. Just a small axe. With perseverance and a little sharpening every now and then, I tell you what, you can go a long way. The Lord showed me when I was at Encounter that if I'm going to get out of this cyclical, I mean, I I was, uh, for those of you who don't know me too well, um, I grew up, in the world, um, I, I had a great Christian upbringing, but I chose to live prodigally, and I blew it I, I mean I tell you what I, there were so many things that that I should not have done that I did and um, I developed a, a personality and grew up on the streets of miami, Florida. There was a hardness that that just came with that and um, I had developed a lot of bad habits and they stuck with me, and I was bound by a lot of these bad habits and influences and There came a time when the Lord showed me that he wanted to use me in this manner. And when I got it, it, he showed me that I had to give him myself. I had to lay myself down. And he can use me as an an axe. And then it just went further and further to where I realized that being an axe in and of itself wasn't good enough. Because if you've ever tried to chop down anything with a blunt axe, it's just going to wear you out. You're not going to go anywhere. So he showed me he wanted me to be sharp. And for me, that meant to lay down the drugs and alcohol, the premarital sex, and chasing the the, the materialistic things of the world, and to focus on him, get in his word, and sharpen who I am in him and who he's created me to be. And as I laid down those other things, and, and it wasn't enough to just lay those things down. It was the other thing that was important was that I was getting in his word, getting around like-minded Christians, and it was just slowly but surely causing me to become able to cope with life and to become a successful human being. And I may not make all the money in the world, and I, I, my, my ideas about success have altered, but I am, I am the most successful person I know. In and, and, and so many ways, and i just i 'm thankful because i don 't take the glory for that it 's all because god has chosen he 's chosen me and i 've allowed him to sharpen me and it 's just something that I want to encourage it 's not and it has nothing to do with me because I am as broken as anyone, and we can all rise to, to becoming Make, to make less and less poor decisions through maturing in Christ. And it is a process. And I want you to get this. Step one in maturing in Christ is to repent. That is step one. We've got to agree with God that what I am doing is wrong. Get to his cross and lay it down. And we, we just become broken before him. If you did that on a Sunday, then on Monday, the first thing you do when you wake up, repent. And on Tuesday. When you wake up, actually, you know what? Around Monday, Monday at lunchtime, you can do it again because you probably messed up. But it's just a constant motion. It's always moving, pressing in. It's not like, hey, I did that once. What's next? Yeah, I prayed the sinner's prayer, and now I'm done. What's, what's, what's next on the agenda? It's a forever moving thing. Maturity, as, as you watch your children grow, don't you know it's not enough for them to just walk? It's not enough for them to just be able to not wear diapers. It's not enough. For, it's just constant. And then they get to college, and I mean, I haven't got there yet. And I just, oh, I was at a high school basketball game last night, and I was listening to the other parents talking about how their kids are doing this and that and the other. I just, I was stressing out just listening to them because it's like, man, this is going to be something else. But nonetheless, it's always something. And then we send them off to to their own life. You know, they get married, and guess what? You think it's over then? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm, my mom's still right there. I, I, go, I talk to her every day. And it, I'm always leaning on her. It's a constant thing. I'm still growing. I'm still maturing. And I'm still leaning on my natural parents. I'm still leaning on my spiritual dad. I'm still leaning on my heavenly father every single day. And it's a, it's a movement thing. So we've got to repent. Next, we need to read and hear the word. You need to. It's not enough to take it in by osmosis when you come to church and sit down and zone out and, and just, you know, it's, it's just not enough. There's so many people that go to church and you ask them, hey, are you a Christian? Yeah, I go to church all the time. No, no, no. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I go to church all the time. And that's where a pastor says, you know, just because you sleep in the garage doesn't make you a car. It's the same thing. A lot of people just don't get it. Their life is crumbling and they don't understand. You know, I'm at church I'm three days a week. Sunday nights, too. And I volunteer at Habitat for Humanity on Saturday. I just don't understand God. What's uh, what's going on? It's not enough. We have got to read and hear the Word for ourselves and seek out the depths of His love. In the beginning, John three sixteen will will sustain you. You know, and just you know, the, you remember that giddiness you felt when you first fell in love with your with your mate, or or maybe when you first came to Christ. It just felt like yippee! I'm going to heaven. You know, it's great. And then you know, you can You don't just yippee. Hi, oh, all the, that's it, all the live long day. You've got to come to a place where you go for the depths. You get into that, that place that you can consume that which is, is sustaining. Um, Jesus says that my sheep hear my voice. And did you know that the word for hear is, in Hebrew, is obey? I just, that struck me as, as incredible. That we, we, yes, we do. We, we hear. We come, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And, and all those things are, are wonderful, but we must obey the, what we read and hear. Next, we need to pray. That is, and if you're going to mature in Christ to get you to a place where you're making less and less dumb decisions, get this. We pray. We pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray. And it's a never-ending thing again. You wake up in the morning and you say, hey, Dad. You go out to your car. Thanks for my car, Dad. Get in your car and drive. Get to a red light. Thanks for the red light, Dad. How you doing today, Father? Good. Okay, cool. Oh, by the way, you know, it's just, you just, it's, you're just there all day long. It's not always a monotonous, you know, getting on your knees and, and, and praying the, the prayer that, that you may have learned as a kid growing up. There's a relationship that established. And as we pray without ceasing, what happens is the Spirit starts to guide us as we listen and we submit our requests to him, and we listen. And we eventually, you'll notice there's this environment that's created in your life. And as the environment is created, we become more aware of our decisions. Every decision that comes forth, it's, there's, they're no longer impulse. It's more planned and ordered, rather. And you get to a place where everything seems to to just flow, and you make less and less absent-minded decisions based on impulse or the, or the, or the flesh. But as we dwell right here in this place here, and, and, and our decisions start to be influenced by the outpouring of the Spirit, it's amazing how we have this internal GPS even. It just The Holy Spirit just can guide us. And as we pray and listen and pray and listen, it, it's a, it's a practiced thing but you start to autonomously even start to make better decisions in life. And you make less and less poor decisions in life. And it allows us to move further into the maturity that causes us to become that sharp axe that God wants to use. And so you've done this. You've, you've, you've repented. You've, you've read. You've listened. You've prayed. Well, now we start to surround ourselves with Christians, inside and outside of the church. It's great to come to church and be surrounded by our brothers and sisters, but there's got to be a... A a, a practical application of that in your life outside of church, at home, in the workplace, even amongst your family members, and all the rest. There just starts to, you want to cultivate a group of people whom you hang around. Because I tell you what, you show me who you hang around and I'll tell you who you are. That's usually true. And if we choose, we seek out people outside of the church to hang out with. Guys, I'm talking to you, I mean, get this. You are who you hang out with. I've seen, I've been to volleyball games. I've been around people. I've, I've seen the, I see the clicks. I see all this taking place. And grownups, you're not exempt from this either. This, the same thing happens around the water coolers and everything else. We have to choose like-minded Christians to hang around, to be lifted up and exhorted and, and to be encouraged in the things of Christ. And, and doing so, we just become stronger and we develop a sense of accountability. Which helps us; it aids us in our decision making when we know I'm going to see Wally at the water cooler tomorrow, and if I come in, you know, he's going to want to know where I was yesterday if I said I was going to be there, or you know, you just there's there's just a sense of accountability that develops out of surrounding yourself with like-minded, spirit-filled Christians, not just churchgoers. Now, you've got all this under under your belt, and. I think one of the one of the important aspects, too, is, and I know that we're all here under this um, mantle here at Legacy Church, but we've got to come under sound teaching. We've got to come under sound teaching. There's a lot of churches in Charleston, South Carolina. I haven't been to most of them. I've been to this one, and I know that this is sound, and I know that the growth that I'm experiencing, and I know that so many of you, I look around the room, and I just see so much growth that I have. I can only attribute it to the willingness of our pastor to lay down his life and his ego to preach the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And he gets us the word of God raw. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't season it Well, Sometimes he does, but the truth is he gives us meat, 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 meat. And I'm so thankful for that. And we have friends from out of town and we counsel our friends and we have we have family members that are going through struggles, and they're in another state, and we want to counsel them not just to get in the house of God, but find yourself. And you know what? I encourage you as Christians to do some work, do some, some, uh, some groundwork on their behalf. Maybe look at some websites, contact some pastors for your friends somewhere else, and say, hey, I just wanted to you know, interview you. I'm interviewing churches for my brother or sister in Arizona. Um, what do you guys believe? Tell me your mission statement. What do you do? Who's your, you know, you just want to find these things out. And, and that way you can, you can serve in that capacity even though you're not there, but we are under sound teaching. <coughs> the Bible says that we are not meant to remain children spiritually, carried about with every wind and teaching by deceitful trickery of men, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love... We may grow up in him in all things. It's not uncommon for folks out there to to just preach for money and to, you know, the trickery. And I mean, there's so many things out there that that can get you. But the the Bible says that uh, we've got to look out for these things and come under good, sound doctrine. And Paul said that, uh, he says, our greatest wish and prayer is that you will all become mature Christians. I just think that 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 just spoke to my heart. I could just see Paul because, you know, the circumstances he lived under were, I'd say, a little less than ideal, anyway. And, um, but the, the word that he brings forth into the earth that we still hear today and are, are exhorted by and are brought encouraged by today, it's just, it's amazing that that man going through what he has gone through and writing from where he was writing can be such a blessing to us. If there was ever a picture of maturity, it's in him. And it's his heart as well that to see us mature also well next is that we want to have a vision pastor's been talking about vision we're in a new year the beginning of the new year it's just you know it's a time for vision people are are getting this uh, a vision for their lives but we've got to have a plan with a purpose and this is so critical can you see it you know it's not enough to just come in and uh Expect that this mystical osmosis is going to take place as we sit in front of the religious television programs or um, we get around other Christians or even come to church and expect that maybe we're going to be able to ride the coattails of of a pastor or a minister or a, a great man or woman of God. And, and to a, I mean, I know when Tracy Stewart came through here, I mean, she had me wanting to change up my life because she just, I mean, she's got something in her that I don't even know. She let this place on fire. And just because of her fire, caused me to want to move in. But God's got a plan for me. God's got a plan for you. And it's just as big and as great as what she's doing, or Joyce Meyer, or T.D. Jakes, or, you know, Jensen Franklin, or this new superstar out there, Clayton Baird. I mean, you know. God's got a plan for your life just as much as he does for anyone else's. And while it's, it's great to come under the mantle of someone else and to be lifted up to a place and receive even a double portion, but then you take that and God says, Jesus Christ himself says that you'll do all that he does and then some. And so there's a place for that. But he wants us to have a vision. And we've got to lean each other and for that specific vision. We've got to take hold of that. Um, and then we come to the place of... Of witnessing, because I believe that there's a boldness that comes through knowing your vision, knowing who you're called to be, knowing that you've come into the presence of God, knowing that you're getting sound doctrine, knowing that you're you're spending time at the feet of the Lord, and taking in all that He says through His Word, and then we can take that out and and that's when we start to dispense life. That's when we become no longer consumers as much as distributors of light and salt and That's the place where when we get there, maturity springs from that. It springs from that. Just because you're willing to lay down yourself and to verbalize Jesus Christ died for you and you have a purpose and be able to talk to someone who's never heard it or maybe they've heard it and denied it and maybe even they're going to throw rocks at you because you said it, but you do it and that's just the ultimate expression of love. I know when with young people, and myself included, when I, I mean, it, you couldn't stop me from telling people about Kelly when I fell in love with Kelly. Mm-mm. And don't you talk bad about my Kelly. i tell you what. I mean, when I, I mean, it's just, Eddie Murphy on Coming to America, I don't recommend anybody seeing that movie, but I saw it when I was not saved. He screams in the streets, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. people are, shut up! You know, he's in the Bronx or something, I don't know where he is, but they're, Shut up. But that's where we get. I mean, and when we witness the love of Christ to people, he gets he, that. Mm, he just he eats that up. And he will, he, what he does is he clears out a path before you to go into the world and to make disciples. And all of a sudden, all those bad decisions, he kind of just says, you know what? I'm not even going to let you deal with those decisions. You're just going to stay focused. And you're going to look neither to the left nor to the right. But you're going to stay focused right on me. And you're going to plow into the mission field, which could be your very own neighborhood or family reunion. In most cases, family reunion. But there's going to come a time when we get to that place, and we start to witness, and it's just that's that's the pinnacle, in my opinion, of of what shows mat- you know, maturation in Christ. And then you're really held accountable because oh, you're the Christian guy who tried to win me to Christ. Why are you drinking a beer here over here at Applebee's? You know why are you? You know who's that young thing you're with? Where's your wife? Those things don't happen when you're out witnessing. I mean, there's just something that, that those decisions never even become. They just kind of fade. And all of a sudden, the only decisions that you're making are those that will glorify God. And in most cases, we're simply laying down our decisions and saying, Lord, fill me with something new for today. Show me someone. Give me someone in my path that I can be a light to today. Well, some of the fruits of a mature Christian are of those things that I told you about, but also I'm just going to run through a list of things that that I I put forth. Um, Discerning. You become discerning when you become mature in Christ. When those false prophets come your way, you can feel them out. There's something in your spirit that says no. Or even um, when you're around someone who needs to hear the word of God, you know, there's that tugging and you discern, wow, there's something... I don't know what it is, but something told me that I need to. Are you doing all right, cashier at Publix? Who are you? You know, just there's a discerning. There's something going on, or a a deal that maybe you know God cares about everything in our lives. So if you're in a deal where you could maybe be buying a car, you know, and the Lord, just the Holy Spirit's saying, "Ah, "Don't do it." You know, you just you'll pick up on that, and there's a discerning that comes forth. Um, Disciplined and spiritual devotions. We've got to come to a place where we don't rely on church for our spiritual life. We need to come to church to fellowship and, and be exhorted and to help others that come to the church to receive Christ and to be there for that. But when we go home, we need to, it, it needs to still be real. Sunday night, Monday morning, at, at, at work, on your way home from work, what kind of music are you listening to? What kind of books are you reading? If you're reading romance novels on Sunday evening, I don't know. There's something we just need. There's a, there's a devotion that we need to be disciplined in our spiritual devotions. We need to be wise in our selection of, of, of relationships. And you'll see that in a, in a mature Christian. Humble and serving is a, is a really good sign of, of a mature Christian. Comfortable witnessing. Confident in conversation. That's one of the greatest fruits of being a mature Christian is you become, you, you know who you are. There's no longer an identity crisis in your life. You know who you are, you know what you 're here for, you know who your creator is i don 't I don't ask these questions that the world asks. I can be confident in communicating and knowing that it 's not you who I'm trying to impress it 's him. If we live life trying to impress everybody we 're just going to be like a, one, a, a what is it a one arm paper hanger i 'm not sure exactly what that means, but I think it has something to do with wallpaper but it 's busy i mean you 're just busy chasing nothing but if we know we're just here to to please him then it makes life so much easier we're not driven by worldly things you're respectful in conflict meekness um (laughs) yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna share it um i was i was at lowe's (laughs) not long ago and um A gentleman who did some work for me, um, as a contractor, I hired subcontractors, and somebody did some work for me, and um, there was was some money that came up missing, and it it was a long story. But the gentleman, um, after I, I I guess, didn't tarnish his reputation, but I had to make some people know that, okay, this is, you know, you need to be careful in using this person because of this, and... um, Anyway, I, I was I was all but assaulted at Lowe's when this person saw me there. And I was on the phone with one of our churchgoers here, Matt Knight. And this guy came up to me, and I mean, he just land-blasted me right in the middle of the paint department. And I'm on the phone with Matt, and I said, Matt, I'm going to have to call you back. Um, I mean, he's in my face just going at me. And just weird peace came over me, just this this sense of... It's, it's like, I don't know, if you could picture a bodyguard in the scene and said, don't worry about it, I got this. And he just stands between me and this person. And it was like, oh, I know, I'm good. It's all good. I don't, I don't need to worry about it. In fact, I could go back to the shopping. I'm not even worried. And it just felt so good. But after that it was all said and done, the Lord spoke to me and said, that's meekness. And I said, whoa, I've never understood that. And I, even, I shared that that Sunday at Youth. And um, I shared about meekness and what it looked like and what it felt like. It was just amazing to know that, wow. Because there was a day. There was a day. And I mean, to tell you that that did not even come across my mind. And it just felt so good, so liberating to have that scene finished. I mean, the cashiers were looking at me and looking at him. And it was just, there was fear. I mean, they thought the guy mixing the paint, poor guy, he didn't want to look up. He was just over there. You know, oh, my gosh, you're all about to break up a fight. But nothing happened. It was great, and nothing's happened since then. I'm just so thankful for that. But in that conflict, I was cordial. You know, I, I just didn't skip a beat, and I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but this is the only—I'm a witness. All I can tell you is what I've seen, and this is what happened. And it felt so good to know that I didn't—I could be respectful in a conflict. I didn't have to stoop down. I, I didn't have to raise up. I just had to stay steady and just be meek and just know that God's got my back. And it's all good. Well, another number eight would be faithful in commitments. We've got to be faithful in commitments. You know, with marriages and divorces rather at an all-time high, I just it it is so it it hurts, it grieves the Holy Spirit, I know. He lives in me. He lives in you, and when you hear about a divorce taking place over something stupid, it should grieve your spirit, because they made a commitment before the Lord. And they just, it's not taken lightly. And it just shows to me if there's, you know, I, I, I'll just, I won't beat that horse. Um, fruit would be, you know, we see people, they have a, a vision for their lives. Um, they're integrous. That's huge. Michael Callaghan, most of you know, he's not here, is he not? He owns a carpet cleaning service um, called Integrity Carpet Cleaning. And um, I've watched Michael Calligan for a long time. I've known him for, for over a decade. And there was a time when he wouldn't have waved that banner. And I've just seen him come to a place where he is... That which he drives. I mean he he really is, and I, I'm just thankful that God has done this work in his life and I see fruit, I see maturity taking place in that man, and it's just so encouraging, and I just encourage everyone to come to that place. We're prayerful as mature Christians. You're teachable, you submit to authority, you're loving, you're giving. You know, the contrary would be what an immature Christian looks like, and I mean, I could only come up with three real words: was self-centered, isolated, and offended. That was kind of the list. I mean, outside of that, I don't know. It just, it just, you know, it just comes to a place where, guys, we've got to become an army for Christ, and most of us are there. And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I just want this ammunition to set in and to maybe spark those those embers again. That we need to go out into the world and make disciples. And it's not easy. And it, it's not to be it's not the the, the job of a grown up mature Christian. It's just the job of a mature Christian. There's I, I we have our youth here and I've 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 been inundated with youth and the mentality of youth and, and looking at websites and hearing blogs and watching YouTube videos and going to ski invasions and going to conferences here and there and just getting surrounded by, and there is a fire in young people. And there's a maturity that comes out of young people that eclipses that of people that have been in the church for 30, 40 years. And it is, Jesus knew it. He did. And I just marvel at when he was sitting in the, we all know when he was at the uh at the synagogue, yeah. He was 12 years old. And, I mean, he had the scholars and, I mean, the high-ranking priests and, and even doctors. And I'm just listening to him, marveling. It's a 12-year-old kid. Wow. This is, I mean, he's just, he's sowing it. It's amazing. Well, there's, there's some misconceptions about spiritual growth. And I just want to say that it's not It's not automatic. Being saved or born again, or those buzzwords that we, we cling to, um, don't always indicate any maturity. They, they, they get thrown around, and I think we use those words flippantly, and we need to be mindful of, of that. Um, just because someone says they're born again or, or, or not doesn't necessarily mean we need, to, we need to be paying attention to the fruit um, of others and ourselves. And um, just concentrate on the, on the character that we display as a Christian. But the truth is, you know, we've got to have a desire to grow. All of this is great teaching and it's great to, to hear and understand. But if there's not a desire or a passion inside of you to grow, then it's never going to happen. We, there's a decision that we make, and it's an intentional effort. Because so many of us, there's so many Christians who are called but never respond. And, and that's huge for us because... God wants to do some things in the earth, and we've, we've come to a place in the Christian church at large that God, His hands are tied due to our lack of hunger, our lack of desire to do His will. And I say our, I'm speaking of the church as a whole. And I know that there's, there's coming a time when fire is going to come out of this house not just this one, but I mean, there is, there is something coming here real soon, and it's going to pour out into the streets all over the world. It's not just the tri-county area. We have our part here. We're called here, and that's great, but all over the world, there's going to be a roar, and it's going to shake the foundations of our faith. It's going to shake, I and mean, there's going to be testing. There's going to be doctrine thrown about that sounds just like what God was talking about, only a little different. And we need to be mature enough not to be ensnared by the false teaching and false prophets. Um, well, I want to I come down with this. Um, aside from the bumper sticker theology, that we aren't perfect, just forgiven, um, we've got to understand that we are completely in a state of progress. We are a work in progress. And our goal is perfection in Christ. It's going to take a little longer than a lifetime to achieve perfection. But that's our pursuit. We must go for that. God established just weights and measures, all right? We got to understand that that growth is a measurement. He says, therefore, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be given to you. For with the same measure you measure it, it'll be measured back to you. That's Luke six thirty-eight. Through this, I believe that we're going to be able to make better observations and decisions as we start to see how this all comes together. As as we employ all which I've talked about tonight and continue to employ all that I've talked to you about tonight, we're going to see those things being poured out and continue to see those things poured out. I see so many faces in here that if we gave uh, an opening for open mic that we can get testimonies, for a long time of what God has been doing and how he's, he's measured back to you for that. So I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, judge by any stretch of the imagination, but I certainly want there to be a, a, a new fire inside of you tonight to mature in Christ even further, to go further. Find those that you know are not getting fed meat and get to them, please, and either drag them into this house or minister to them yourself or administer them CDs from Pastor T. I mean, whatever you got to do, but we need to make sure that Christians are being armed. I want to close with this observation. You sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, and you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, and you reap a destiny. And that's maturity. And maturity is going to be the thing that inspires this part of you. And as this is being enlarged and enlarged and enlarged, it's going to cause those decisions to, to really flow from you and be God decisions, not just good decisions. And these are going to make our lives so much better. I want to close in prayer, and I want to lift up um, Pastor tonight, too, because, uh, you know, he's been, he's been struggling with this illness, and I know it, it goes further and deeper than we can imagine for him. I know he wanted to be here tonight and teach, and, God bless him for being here Sunday morning. I think that was what a trooper. I love I love our pastor.